The Bear Down Report Podcast, featuring Mike Page, Logan Brand, Jack Wright, and Ryan Dangle. Bear Down Report. Folks, welcome to another special edition of the Bear Down Report Podcast. Today we've got Jack Wright, I'm Ryan Dangle, and folks, we are thrilled to have our special guest here, Garrick Jones, uh, a former NFL player, played in... Canada uh, has been all over the place, has so much going on. Folks, we are just thrilled to have him. Garrick Jones, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate you guys for having me on the show today. I'm looking forward to it, man. I'm, ex- I'm excited about being a part of this great podcast, man. So I'm, I'm ready to get to it, man. Let's do it. All right. So now you grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas. You played on the offensive line and you end up in Jacksonville. Then you go to Winnipeg the Kansas City Chiefs, the Houston Texans, the Atlanta Falcons, back to Winnipeg, Calgary, and Edmonton. Can you just tell us a little bit, what was that like? Not only playing in the NFL, but, but playing in Canada and, and playing, you know, an incredibly difficult position, offensive line, just very, very difficult position. What was that like for you? Well, for me, man, um, you know, I had to take the road less traveled. Uh, just because of how I, how I left school. I left school after my junior year. I had a lot of different things going on, you know, at, with my family, and my mom was sick at the time. Uh, so I had to try to make some decisions. But eventually everything leveled off, and, and from there, uh, I had to go chase the dream, man. So once I did that, uh, it took about a year to get the opportunity to go to, go to camp with Jacksonville. And, and once I got there, I kind of got introduced to the politics of the game. Uh, I was there, and I was doing pretty well. But once they signed the tackles that they had drafted, um, you know, it was time for me to go. So I had to go find somewhere to play. So we we went from 111 degree weather to I think it was negative five and it was raining sideways up in Winnipeg and Manitoba. So, you know, that's kind of what the deal was, man. But I mean, it's been it's been a, a journey. But I, I think for myself, it's a part of my lesson plan, and you know, to be able to teach people and show people how this thing works, um, because I'm, I'm a firm believer in it. If I've never been there, man, it's going, to be, it's going to be hard for me to show you how to get to it. So I'm just teaching from testimony and everything that I'm doing each and every day, uh, you know, being resilient, being about consistency and just persevering. And that's ultimately what this thing was, man. I've been around. Uh, I had the opportunity to play with some really good people, be coached by some even better people. And all those people are part of my network now. So I got guys coming out the woodwork that, that want to work with me and, and work with what we got on the table. So it's been a fun ride. That's fantastic. Thank you so much for, for sharing those experiences with us. Uh, now, you're currently living in the Houston area, correct? Right, right, right. Out, out in Pearland. So I'm right on the outskirts of Houston, man. A lot of former players live out in that area. Um, right now, I'm on the board with the NFLPA Houston chapter. Uh, so right now, I think we have around 1,500 to 1,600 former players that, that call Houston their home. So it's, it's a beautiful time out here, man. I'm going to say uh, we're very jealous of the weather. Maybe not today, but every other day of the year, we're really jealous of it. All right. So, so Garrick, if you don't mind, we would love to jump into talking about the Houston Texans and all things NFL. Gotcha. Let's do it. The Texans. What an unbelievably loaded roster. Uh, what an incredible year last year. And then the drop off this year. Garrick, why didn't they win more games this year? leadership man uh everything stems and, and begins and ends with leadership uh, and a lot of people really don't understand that they think just having all the talent in the world is is going to you know cure all this 
when it comes down to professional sports or any kind of team teamwork aspect, you got to have the right leadership in place, and and then from there it has to be the right culture. And and if you don't have the right culture established, uh, that so that 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 culture can become toxic really quickly. And I think that's what happened with the Texans. Um, once we get a chance to make some changes uh, and, and really get somebody in there that understands how to lead men, uh, things will turn around really quickly because they have a pretty good roster. Uh, and that's really what this thing is all about. I mean, in any team, these guys are getting paid. They're professionals. They're the best of the best. Whenever you make it to the NFL, that's what the situation is. So if you have the right right leadership in tow, uh, anybody can have a Super Bowl caliber team uh, with, you know, two or three guys that can come in and just really tote that note. So that's what it's about, man. So do you think that falls all on Bill O'Brien? Um, I know the DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson trade seemingly was really unpopular, but do you think it's all his fault or, or do you think that that comes from top down? How, how do you see that falling? I think there's a number of reasons, um, you know, that, that happened. I think Bill O'Brien was a, a major catalyst in it. Um, and, 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 and a lot of the remnants of the decision makings that, that he had a, a huge hand in. You know, that's a part of what was there. Um, I think a lot of the wrong people were in the building, um, and, and you have to have the right people with the right mindsets and, and have a vested interest in the success of the organization, not just with them wanting to, 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 to do their thing as far as, um, you know, the egos and the ambitions and those types of things and just building up their resumes. It's about the greater good of the team. And, and when you don't have that, you, you find out really quickly when you have a situation like with COVID-19, are you able to pivot? And are you really as good as you say you are? Uh, so that's kind of what the situation is. So hopefully we can get the, get the organization where it needs to be when, in regards to the right people in the room. Uh, but he had a really good, a really big piece of the puzzle when it came down to that. So a guy like Deshaun Watson, obviously Bears fans, I mean, it's been talked about endlessly that a lot of Bears fans would have much rather seen Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes in a Bears uniform, but, but right. he's with Houston. And I think, right. you know, so when I ask this next question, you know, thinking that you've got the most important position, uh, how close is Houston to winning a championship? Realistically, man, Houston is about four or five really, really, really good players away. And, and from there, uh, you got to have the right coach in tow, uh, the right assistants. Uh, and like I say, it, it all, it's all about that culture and leadership from a general manager standpoint. So there's, there's four or five major components that would be able to put them over the top. Um, but, but it's going to have to be very strategic. It's going to have to be the right people that understand the dynamic of, of leadership. Uh, and, and be more than just a scout, be more than just an a analytical giant. They have, to, they have to encompass them all. And, and if that happens, and if they really take this thing serious enough to do that and really think outside the box, uh, Houston is going to be where it needs to be, man, because the talent is there. Uh, everybody knows it. Uh, it's just about bringing, bringing that talent out of those guys. Two players on this Houston roster, not named Deshaun Watson or J.J. Watt, that Bears fans should definitely know the name of? I would like to say, um, if you really look at it, and if, if they're using him correctly, I would say Duke Johnson is one. Uh, I would also say that, um, man, and that, that's going to be the deal. You, you got guys that are very good players, um, but I'm looking at the ones that can be sensational. And right now, I think Duke is the one that's really showing 
whenever he gets his opportunity, he's out there. Uh, and he's doing he's doing what he needs to do. So I, I, I don't necessarily have two that can that, that we can give you right now because of the coaching, because of being a situation where um, you know, they they have the interim head coaches and whatnot. But um that's kind of the deal right now. It's everything's kind of up in limbo, you know? Absolutely. Garrick. Is there a matchup in this game that you are really looking forward to watching? Uh, maybe a particular player or just a side of the ball that you're really going to be watching? Right. Well, I, I, I love Chicago's D-line. And, and I think this is going to be a very good test for the offensive line uh, for the Texans because they, they've struggled at times, especially interior three. Uh, but I definitely want to see Laramie Tunzel and, uh, and, and, and Lil Mack. I want to see that matchup because that's – like I say, the, the, your tackle spot is really, I think, one of the most pivotal pivotal spots. And, and for that D-line that, that the Bears have, man, they are formidable. I, I love watching them fly around. I love watching them do what they do. Uh, so I, I really want to see that that matchup on, in the trenches, man, because that's that was home for me. So that's that's really what I'll be looking at. Absolutely. So, so now I've got another question not on our list here. Garrick, right. as a, a former offensive lineman, do you watch the game holistically or are you really watching the trenches pretty much throughout the, the entire play? Well, you know, the thing about it is when you have professional athletes that watch the game, um, we watch specific positions. Like for myself, I can watch a little bit of the O-line play and kind of tell you how it's going to go that first half just by how they're clicking or how I'm not hearing them communicate on the field. And especially now with, 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 with it not being many people in the stands, you can hear a lot of different things. Um, so I, I automatically know what's going on when there's checks and there's audibles, uh, those types of things. Um, we watch specific positions. We don't necessarily watch it from a, a bird's eye type of view. Uh, guys really look at and hone in on their positions first, and then we kind of work our way around from there. And, and it's, it's, it, a lot of times it's hard for people to understand what we're doing, uh, but once you really start breaking it down, you're basically scouting the game. Hmm. And when you learn how to break down each position during the game, that's, that's, when, you're, that's when you're on top of it, man. Is there a, uh, an offensive lineman that you just can't get enough of, that you're just excited to watch play every single time they step on the field? Well, I, I, like, I like Laramie, man. I, I really like his game. Uh, I like how he's controlled. Um, but he, he can bring out his aggression when he needs to. Um, but my thing is, for, for, for me – I love watching the O-line because those guys are working together as one guy. And, and when the O-line is, is, is on it, man, it's, it's, it's a thing of beauty. It's like art because everybody's working in a singular purpose. And the O-line really is the only group that can control an entire game on their own. They can slow the tempo down. They can protect. They can do all these different things. And they can also give the defense rest when they need it. So for me, O-line is where it starts, man. That's the foundation of the, the entire deal. You know, Bears fans are really hoping that we can improve the offensive line uh, and are a little bit worried about J.J. Watt coming to town right now, the way that the <laughs> offensive line is playing. Now, Garrick, if you don't mind, I want to just switch gears just a little bit because you are looking for a GM position. You are looking for that front office spot. Okay. And let's say you get hired uh, this offseason by the Chicago Bears. What are the first changes you're making to this team? Culture. Culture will be the first thing that we do. Um, from there, you want to make sure that you bring the right coaches in. You want to take the guys that you have and you want to build those guys up. 
So you don't necessarily want to come in with a rebuild mindset. I tell a lot of people all the time right now, to rebuild a team, is, is, that's, that's a negative, right? You don't want to come in and say, we need four or five years in order to build this thing out because that, that gives you the opportunity to say, well, we didn't get them this year, so we'll get them next year. Um, the, the culture will be win now. Uh, it has to be a mentality of intentional communication and also accountability. And, and that's really what needs to happen with a lot of these organizations. So many times, you know, if something goes wrong, you can just pass the buck. I don't believe in that. If I'm not getting my job done, somebody's going to come in and replace me. That's how I was when I was a player. And that's, that's how it always has been. But it needs to be like that in upper management uh, because you need to be held accountable. So when you come in, the, it has to be an establishment of a new culture, a new way of thinking. And then once the players buy into that and everybody in the building buys into that, that's when you get into the championship mindset. So anything other than championship talk or Super Bowl talk is a waste of time and you don't need to be in the building. So I'm a no-nonsense guy. I'm an offensive lineman. Um, I'm coming to work every day, and, and I'm challenging people to outwork me each and every day. Once you do that, we'll have something special. You just made me think of something else. Okay. Getting cut by a team or right. having to move on to a team, how – I mean, after you've done it one time, how do you come back from that? Like, what, what, what's the, the, the mindset that you kind of go through through all of that? Well, in sports, you have to understand that when that happens, there are other teams that can utilize your services. Um, so you have to have a short memory. It's kind of like playing on the field. If you get beat, if you continue to think about that same play that you got beat on, eventually it snowballs and, and it turns into something that you don't want uh, and something that's going to be detrimental to the actual team and, and, and it might hamper that win. So you have to have a short memory and you got to understand that you are there for a reason. Um, there's a reason why you even made it to camp. There's a reason why you even played in the game. So you can't lose sight of that. You have to have a thick skin, number one. Uh, after that, man, it's, just, it's all about having a singular focus and having your blinders on. But understand that there's other teams that you could possibly get picked up by. So anytime you're on the field or anytime you're in a business setting or you're in an upper management setting, the things you do are being watched. No matter what goes on, somebody's watching and somebody's seeing that. So it's like the same situation with myself playing, uh, you know, playing ball or actually being in this general manager hunt. My thing is this. Ultimately, people are watching. So I might be talking about the Texans, but what's going on with that is other teams are watching. So you have the Bears, you have Jacksonville, you have Atlanta, you have uh, Detroit. All these people are watching and they're getting a sense of what I can bring to the table. So you have to put your best foot forward no matter what goes on. Eric Jack Wright, thank you very much for coming on. You tweeted yesterday uh, about uh, knowing your personnel. And you mentioned, right. you know, uh, the idea of knowing each other on the field is one right. thing. But you said actually right. knowing what makes a person tick is an entirely different thing. And you've mentioned culture a couple of times. Right. I, I once heard a coach say time spent invested uh, in other people has never wasted time. Right. How does that translate, you know, in the NFL with all the big personalities? You, you often hear about chemistry, but then you wonder, are some guys such big personalities that they just kind of roll in and do their own thing and don't pay much mind to anybody else? And then other guys do take the time to invest in one another. And, and how does that play out on a, on a team scale? We'll go back to leadership. If leadership has a, a, a definitive plan in place where guys can get to know each other and everybody in the building can get to know each other, 
then everybody will follow suit. So those things have to be implemented. And that's exactly what I'll bring to the table by having uh, uh, exercises and having different programs that will be teaching each other how to communicate with each other to get the best out of each other. So case in point, when you go to training camp, you'll get a piece of tape on your helmet that has your last name on there. And you'll have a coach that is coaching everybody the same, right? So you, you now have cut your effectiveness and your efficiency in half because you're coaching everybody the same way. So I have programs that I bring to the table that now teaches intentional communication and teaches everybody to understand the dynamic between the different colors that people are, the different personalities, all those things. So it makes you slow down and really understand who you're dealing with. Because for myself, you know, with equilibrium sports, this is something that I, I implemented in my developmental league where each athlete would have a color or have their colors on their helmets. So that coach would know one guy, you can give him two or three words and he's off to the races where you have another guy that you have to be more intentional with. You have to pull him to the side. You have to give him more in order for him to be is just as successful as the next guy. So those are things that I never witnessed in the NFL. I've never witnessed in any other league because it was all about the X's and O's. So those are the things that I want to bring to the table because when they say know your personnel, do you really know them? And that's my question. So that's why I wanted to put things in place where we really knew each other. And that right there breeds the chemistry for championships. That, that is such an interesting approach. The, the idea of, you know, how do players respond to coaching? What works best for a player and truly knowing them from, from so many different lev levels. Right. Uh, Garrick, that's, that's, that's really interesting stuff. Um, so we've got just, just a, a little bit left here for you. This next question I'm excited to ask you. How do you see this Houston Texans versus Chicago Bears game playing out? And most importantly, what do you see as a, a final score for this game? Ooh, oh, you want specifics. Okay. <laughs> um, I think that this game will be a – I think it will be a defensive battle. Uh, and the reason I say that is because, because of all the adversity that Houston has gone through, and then you have the adversity offensively that the Bears have gone through. They hadn't been clicking the entire season. So I think it'll be a low-scoring game. Uh, I would say, as far as the score would be concerned, I say maybe 14, uh, maybe 14-12, something like that. Um, but both teams are really going through the ringer, man. It's it's been a rough season, uh, not only just because of COVID, but just overall chemistry. You know, you had you had the Texans that have lost coaches. You have the Texans that have interim head coaches. You have the Texans that have lost players because of you know infractions. And you got the Bears, they're, they're going through their turmoil. You got a defense that's playing lights out, but they're having to play too hard. They're having to be the, the ones that win the games. And, and, and right there, from a professional standpoint, you know your job, you know what it is that you're doing, but that gets old after a bit, you know, because you have to rise above coaching. You have to rise above the play of your teammates. So offensively, man, it's, it's been a struggle for you guys. And those are the things that they have to be cleaned up. So I, I think this will be a low-scoring game. Um, and, and I think it will be a game of, of just sheer determination and just gutting it out, man, and just getting through it and, and having a good game. So, so I actually have a follow-up to that. So okay. as a professional football player, and you're looking at your team and realizing that if you lose the remainder of your games, you're going to get better draft picks and better position. 
uh-huh. But as a player, you're not really thinking about that. How do you, how does, how does that go around the locker room? The idea of, of losing out for a better draft pick or something else along those lines. Well, as players, man, you don't really think about that because nine times out of 10, they're bringing somebody in to replace you. So that's kind of the deal. You know, you, you want to go out and you want to play hard. You want to play your best because you want to keep a job. You know, realistically for players, there's not job security. Um, so they want to they wanna make sure that they're doing what they need to do. Uh, and they want to win the game. Because if you're winning, those wins secure all. Um, but in regards to upper management, in regards to just the, the organization as a whole, they understand that, you know, if you're not winning, you're going to get better draft picks. Now, for the Texans, that's not going to happen for a while, just from what Bill O'Brien put together and all those things. But um, that's normally how it is from a, from a player standpoint. You don't really get into it. We want to go out there and play the best game possible because we want to keep our jobs. This has been fantastic. Uh, some amazing insight, Garrick. We cannot thank you enough for being part of the Bear Down Report podcast. Please, before you take off, is there anything that, that Bears fans should know about you, a way that you'd like us to connect, or anything that's going on with you that you would just like to put out there? Man, I, I would just um, – first of all, I just want to thank you guys for the opportunity you know, for reaching out. Um, you know, and just seeing the passion that, that I bring to the table. Uh, of course, I'm, I'm lobbying and, and jockeying for that general manager position at the Houston Texans, but um, I know that there are other organizations that I can bring, you know, this passion to, uh, and just this know-how. You know, you, you want guys who've been there, done that, and understand the dynamics of what these players are going through, you know, to be a part of your organization and have that passion and that purpose and that plan. And I think I could be that guy. Uh, I'm definitely want to uh, just build those relationships with the fans and, and, and let them know that I want to be a voice for them. Um, so guys can just search me out, you know, on the Internet. Uh, they can just uh, put in my name or, or hashtag GJ for GM. And, and they'll get a chance to see all the interviews and everything that I talk about and everything that I've been doing for years. Uh, and, and we'll see how it goes, man. It's going to be a lot of activity in the offseason. So who knows, man? I, I may be uh, with the Bears. Who knows? Uh, if you're with the Bears, I just want you to remember the podcast that really wanted you around. And so we should listen. Listen, if I make it, we make it. So don't worry about that. I got you. <laughs> uh, Garrick, I'm, I'm really, really hoping that this is not our last conversation. Who knows? Maybe uh, Houston finds its way to the Super Bowl next year and, and the Bears, that won't happen. But we'll just, we'll just kind of hope that it does. Uh, seriously, one more time, thank you so much for being a part of the podcast. We wish you well uh, and best of luck in, uh, in your pursuit. Thank you, man. Appreciate you guys. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Man, that was uh, – an awesome interview. Uh, folks, if you're not following Garrick on Twitter, you should do that right now. Uh, we just, you know, thank you to him for, for coming out. Jack, I don't know about you, but my favorite response was definitely him talking about what goes through a player's mindset when you come to the end of the season and you're not headed towards the playoffs. Um, I just thought that was really interesting. You know, they're trying to keep a job, keep food on their table, while fans are thinking, no, 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 lose a draft position so that those people can come in and maybe take that guy's job. And that, that's something I don't know why. I just had never thought about it that way. What, what were you It thinking? was a unique perspective. Absolutely. I heard Tom Thayer yesterday talking about it. And, you know, he was saying under the, you know, the dicta regime, when they were talking and asking him about motivation to play in a situation like this, you know, he said his main motivation was to keep a job. Under, under, you know, Coach Dicka, he didn't want to be fired, right? And so there was this discussion about, well, what is it? Is it love of the game? Is it 
But it, it was really interesting to think of it that way, that you go out to practice every day and you are ultimately working to keep your job. Yeah, we, I think we've talked about it over the last three podcasts is fans forget that these are human beings sometimes, you know, that, that, that because they're unimpacted by it. You know, we've got our own things going on. We're watching the game in different ways, but these are human beings with real lives. And, you know, when, when he was talking about moving around and into uh, going from Jacksonville to, to Canada, right? Like, hey, you got to take the opportunity wherever you can when you're in that line of work. Absolutely. And I, and I do think, you know, as we've talked about, I don't think there's going to be any true sense of individual players trying to throw games. I don't think that's, you know, that's just not in their uh, modus operandi. However, I do think there's a nuance where when failure sets in and losing has been consistent, then it, it, losing is a disease, you know? And I think there becomes almost like this expectation, like, oh man, how did we screw up now? Right. And that, and that snowballs just like the momentum of confidence and success snowballs as well. His conversation about culture really had me thinking, you know, in 2018, the culture of this team was unmatched by hardly anybody that was out there. And now, I mean, things have, have, have taken a quick, quick turn, but I think, you know, both of us have, have coached in high school. We're not, we, we've said this, uh, quite a bit that we're not college coaches, we're not pro coaches, but we have done some coaching and culture change is really, really tough. Uh, I, I am curious to see if somehow, some way Matt Nagy survives, if, if that changes at all, or the next guy they bring in, what kind of culture he'll institute within this organization. It will be fascinating. And I, and I do think, you know, there are, there's so much dialogue about this on some levels, you have players who are just straight freaks of nature. Culture doesn't matter. They may not even have to do a whole lot of technique work. They are just lights out good. There's always that, I think, at the NFL level. But there is technique, and there is practice, and there is discipline, and there is, I think, community, and there's attitude. And I think, you know, you especially, Ryan, you're excellent at, at changing the culture of, you know, the group of young men that you are coaching and it, it takes some time, but it becomes infectious. And then it becomes the standard. And right now it seems like the standard isn't necessarily a high one, a winning standard. Man, but, but thinking about this, I am insanely lucky that I am coaching high school where culture matters more than wins and losses. Uh, if, if I was coaching in the NFL, they wouldn't care how people's feelings are or whatever else. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like it's, it's, a, it's a vastly different experience. I, I was thinking about this. If Bill O'Brien was still there, what would it take for him to trade Deshaun Watson to the Chicago Bears? I am sitting in a bar 2017 next to Logan Bradley uh, and, and a couple other Bears fans. And as soon as I saw that the Chicago Bears had made a trade for the number two position, in my heart of hearts, all I thought was, it's it. They're going to pick Deshaun Watson, and it's going to be the leader that we've been looking for, the, the talent that we've been looking for, and we know that narrative. We're not going to talk about uh, the guy that they picked instead, but I, I have, have stayed pretty firm in this. I would rather have seen Deshaun Watson than Patrick Mahomes. I don't know that Patrick Mahomes develops 
into the quarterback that he is today under this organization. Deshaun Watson seems like it doesn't matter what's going on around him. He just finds a way to, to make it happen. This season, 3,542 yards, 24 touchdowns to just six interceptions. Jack, let me ask you this question. If the Bears had drafted Deshaun Watson instead of Mitch Trubisky, is Matt Nagy out the door or is this team prepping for a deep run in the playoffs? I think they're prepping for a deep run in the playoffs. And, you know, I'm going out on a bit of a limb because there's plenty of counter arguments. Structurally, are the, build, are the Bears set up to, to take on a player like Deshaun Watson and build around him to support him to be successful? Are the offensive line pieces in place? Are the skill positions in place? A lot of the answers to those questions are no and no and no. So, so for me to say it, basically is dependent upon the impact that a franchise player, a franchise quarterback like Deshaun Watson has on the team from the culture to the electricity. I remember talking about going to Bourbon A and watching Bears camp. I believe it was two summers ago. And I reported back to, to you guys, you know, my friends and family, how shocked I was that I saw no moments in that practice where I just went, Oh, there's QB one. He's electric. He's dynamite. That was so disheartening at the time. And I was so concerned at that moment. And, and so back to Deshaun Watson, I think he has the leadership capabilities. He has the athleticism. He's a proven commodity. He was clearly a proven commodity, you know, in college, uh, played for a winning program and a winning coach. And, and so at the very least, you put that piece in place and you're darn closer than you are now. It, the, the, the narrative just shifted with Mitch, unfortunately. Again, not his fault. In the, great guy in the wrong spot. Because it all didn't work out, look at what that's done to the Bears. You know, look at how that's come to fruition to the negative. And, and at least, at the very least, if you put Deshaun Watson in his place, that narrative maybe shifts to the positive in the entire team. At least there's a chance of it. I just keep thinking about how many times I've watched a game where – or a highlight where his escapability to find a receiver down the field where he just, he's, he's Houdini. He's being swallowed up by two defensive linemen and all of a sudden, right. He, he, he finds a way to just make his body just bend in a way it's not supposed to. And then all of a sudden he's throwing it down the field. Now, you know, if he's throwing to Allen Robinson and he's he's throwing to Darnell Mooney, maybe it's a slightly different story, or maybe those guys are both looking at Pro Bowl nods right now. Yes. And we've had this discussion about the extent to which a great quarterback makes great wide receivers. And I do think there's an element to that. When you see the guys like Peyton Manning or Tom Brady, there's a reason why no-name wide receivers all of a sudden become, you know, uh, top-tier wide receivers that are, you know, sought after by other teams, you know, and I think that's a key thing. And the other thing to your point, which is a great one, is that we're in a position where we're just thankful if our quarterback makes the play that is expected of him. Right. And, and so the, the thing that's difficult is when you watch a Mahomes or you watch a Watson, not only are they most often like, frequently making the plays that are expected of them, but they also have a, a second tier of plays. They also have that electricity that they're doing that type of play that makes you go, wow, 
I didn't expect that. I, I hoped that he would roll out and be able to throw, you know, a laser, you know, to the, to the running back in the flat, but I would have never expected him. Right. You know, to your point to, to have dodged that defender to have thrown off his back foot and to have thrown it 30, 40 yards down the field to a wide open Will Fuller. Totally different story. It's just once, Jack, that I would just love to have a conversation where we have an offensive player that you think every team has got a scheme around this player and he's going to be special to watch. We've had it on defense. We've watched some truly amazing players. Uh, we have watched Peanut Tillman, Brian Erlacher, Going back to Walter Payton, right? That's the last time we had a, as you've said it so well, so many times, a blue chip player where you just go, everything the other team has to do has to account for this guy. We just, we haven't had one. And I just, you know, it's fun to watch defensive football and to watch the Bears take the ball away, to, to make them frustrate offenses. But I want to watch a player that, that scores points. Do you Absolutely. Know? Absolutely. I, I've thought a lot about that. You know, there, you said it the other day, we love the bears. We are bears fans. It may not sound like it in some of the discussions that we have because we're so critical and we're so negative. Don't miss the point here, right? Like we love watching great football. We talk about it all the time that to go and watch the chiefs afterwards or to go and watch the Rams or to go and watch some of the elite offenses we really enjoy on one and we enjoy doing that because we love the electricity. And to your point, we love to be able to watch those guys that just are freaks of nature that just dominate the game that teams have to plan around. However, it's bittersweet to watch those teams because like you said, we're so starved for that. We so desperately want that. And we watched Walter Payton because he was elite and he was all that they had for a long time. But yet we still watched because he was so darn good. And that was worth it. That was fun. I think the closest player we've had is Matt Forte. And I'm not trying to take anything away from Matt Forte. One of my favorite bears over the last 20 years. Uh, Matt Forte was very, very good, but wasn't what I would classify maybe as elite. He had seasons where he was making elite level plays, but, you know, it, that's probably the closest thing that we've had. A am I missing somebody, Jack? I don't think so. I mean, you guys like to rib me and I think it's hilarious, right? What Curtis Conway didn't do it for you, Jack? Well, well no, you know, I mean, that's, we're talking LT or we're talking DeAndre Hopkins or we're talking Antonio Brown in, in the height of his game. I mean, and Logan made an interesting point or maybe it was Mike uh, that said, you know, when you have a top tier high paid receiver, your team doesn't necessarily win. You know, I think we could probably find an equal amount of examples that that is true and probably an equal amount of examples where having that elite player clearly translates into great success. And I, I'd like to give it a try. I'd like to see how it, how it plays out. So, Jack, uh, let's move on to this this final part here. How do you see this game playing out? Now, uh, Garrick seemed to suggest that we're going to go 14 to 12. The Bears are going to be scoring lots of field goals, and Cairo Santos seems like he's up to the challenge. But uh, how do you see this game playing out, and what's your final score prediction? I've got the final score as 30 to 14 uh, Houston Texans, I think. It'll be interesting. It's such a, a potent offense in Houston just because Deshaun Watson is there. 
Um, our defense has been declining. You know, I do realize that it makes a difference that Will Fuller is out, um, but I think that uh, Brandon Cooks and, and even Randall Cobb are pretty darn good you know, uh, secondary options, as well as the tight end in Houston. So I see the offense being successful unless there is some type of major shift in our defensive play. Um, and I just, I think our offense will, will sadly continue to struggle. Houston's not that potent of, uh, of a defense, um, but, but we are, we're on a struggle bus offensively. <laughs> Man, uh, they are definitely going to miss those 879 yards and eight touchdowns out of Will Fuller. But I think you're right. Uh, the Bears defense has been relatively toothless as of late, giving up 75 points over the last two games. The pass rush is non-existent. Khalil Mack is clearly hurt all across the board. It's, I just don't see a way in which the Bears win this game as much as I want them to, uh, which we talked about last week. I picked the Texans to win 24 to 20 over our Bears. Uh, it's, we're going to watch. We're going to have heartbreak. It's, it's not going to be fun. Uh, Jack, uh, let's throw this out here one more time. Uh, you and I just hopped on uh, the Twitter universe. Uh, so, folks, if you wouldn't mind giving us a follow. Right now, our follows are a little bleak. So, uh, you can follow me at BDR Dengel. That's D-E-N-G-E-L. Jack, where can they find you? Uh, my handle is BDR. And two things that we want to talk about before we uh, take off today. One, if you guys haven't had a chance to see Jack's breakdown of film, it's really good. Uh, straight to the point. He clearly knows what he's talking about. He knows the stuff. Uh, it's very, very good. Uh, so Jack, how can, what's the best way for uh, people to go and take a look at that? Well, our boss has done such a great job of just, uh, you know, getting us out on all kinds of mediums. Mike has done a really great job. So you can go to uh, our website, the Bear Down Report, and it will be there in the film room. Uh, you can also find it on YouTube. You can find it, uh, as I just mentioned, uh, on Twitter under my handle, um, you know, JWrightBDR, and uh, look for more breakdowns to come. Jack. Uh, we are thrilled about the next episode that we have going on. I can't, like, the amazing guests that we have had three episodes in a row is incredible. Chris Emma was our last one from 670 The Score. Uh, having Garrick Jones for this episode, incredible. And now, can you talk about the next guest that we have coming up? This is just so cool. Absolutely. We've been so fortunate to have such great guests and uh, on Monday, we have the great opportunity to have New England Patriots tight end Matt Lacoste join us. Uh, Ryan and I both had the pleasure of knowing uh, Matt when he was a, uh, a high school student. And besides just being an all-around great guy, he's also a new father. Uh, so we'd love to talk to him about that. Our hope is to just really get a good sense of, of what it's like to play in the NFL. Maybe get some you know, anecdotes from him about his experiences uh, and we really look forward to having a conversation with Matt on Monday. Man, I can't wait uh, just to, to think about where he's been at in his career, uh, going from the University of Illinois uh, to uh, where he's ended up now at the New England Patriots. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's pretty incredible to, to, to see what his career has become, and we're, we're thrilled to talk to him. Folks, 
thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for reading Bear Down Report. Uh, we are thrilled as the season starts to come to a close. We just uh, can't thank all of you guys enough for supporting, sharing, and doing all of those things. There are a lot of places where you could be getting your Bears information, and we appreciate you guys coming to the Bear Down Report more than we can say. Uh, until next time, folks, this has been Jack Wright. I'm Ryan Dengel. Thank you again to our guest, Garrick Jones. As always, folks, bear down. Bear down report.